Good morning everyone at Fernwood Community Church. It's good to be with you. Uh, I'm not here live. This is a recording that I've done in advance uh, because we've restarted services now at Cross Street Church in Congleton where I'm the pastor. Uh, but it's good to be able to join you in your worship this morning. For those who may not have met me yet, my name's Andrew Calvert. Uh, also known as Bethia Harris's dad, also known as granddad to Gracie, Elisa and Caleb, and also Peter Harris's favourite father-in-law. Well, it's good to be with you. We're going to be sharing the Word of God today. And uh, I understand that most, if not all of you that are watching, already know the Lord as your saviour. And that is wonderful. There may be someone watching that you don't yet really understand what it is to be a Christian and hopefully some of the things I say to do today will help you to um, really understand that. There was a time in my life when I was a teenager that I really didn't understand why it was that Jesus died. I thought Jesus came to set us a good example and that's absolutely right, he did. But I thought, you know, if that's why Jesus came, why didn't he live till he was 100, setting as a good example? Why did he die when he was only in his 30s? I didn't understand that. Until one day, that was explained to me, and I understood that Jesus actually died so that I could be forgiven. He died to take the punishment for my sins. And whether you're hearing this for the first time or whether you've heard it many times before, I trust that this morning that will come through afresh to you. We're going to just turn to the scriptures. If you've got your Bible with you, turn with me, please. And I'm going to read to you, first of all, a few verses from the Acts of the Apostles and chapter 8. And it was an occasion when Philip the Evangelist was sent by God to go and to take the good news about Jesus to a man from Ethiopia, an Ethiopian eunuch, a very high up official. And this man had actually been to Jerusalem to worship God. And on the way back, as he is in his chariot, he's reading the scriptures. And we're going to read uh, from verse 29. And the Spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture which he was reading was this. As a sheep led to the slaughter, or a lamb before its shearers, a shearer is dumb, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken up from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, pray, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? 
Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news of Jesus. Well, that scripture is Isaiah chapter 53, part of Isaiah chapter 53. And without someone to guide you, <coughs> who would be able to understand what this passage meant? Who would be able to understand who it was about? Isaiah himself, when he was actually having that incredible revelation and speaking of events that were going to happen more than 700 years into the future, he wouldn't have understood himself who that person was that he was speaking about. This is what Peter says, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 10. The prophets who prophesied of the grace that was to be yours inquired about their salvation. They inquired what personal time was indicated by the Spirit of Christ within them when predicting the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glory. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you in the things which have now been announced to you by those who preach the good news to you through the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. So even Isaiah and the other prophets, as they were prophesying about salvation, as they were prophesying about Jesus, he would die upon a cross and suffer and be raised again from the dead. They, of course, at this time, didn't know who this person was. They were prophesying of things in the future. But as Peter says, it was revealed to them as they were searching and inquiring, who is this person? God, you're giving me a revelation about something here. I'm prophesying about an event. Who is this person? Well, it was revealed to them they were not serving themselves, but you. They were serving me and you. They had been given prophecies, speaking of things that were to come. It's the good news of Jesus. Of course, for us now, we're able to look back and it makes it a lot, lot easier. Just imagine what it would have been like for that Ethiopian eunuch in his chariot reading those words and trying to think, what is this about? A sheep led to the slaughter like a lamb that before its shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. What, who is this talking about? What, what does it mean? But of course, Philip now knew what it meant. Philip now knew that Jesus was the one that this was all about. And he began to tell him about that scripture and all the scriptures, and he told him the good news of Jesus, beginning with this scripture. Well, this morning we're going to look at the good news of Jesus and think about his sacrifice for us upon the cross. But I'm going to begin by going back to the beginning of the Bible and the book of Genesis. And Genesis means beginnings and it tells us all about the beginnings of many things. And one of the things is about the beginning of God's people, the people of Israel, the children of Abraham. God called Abraham from his land in Ur of the Chaldees in Mesopotamia 
and he told him to go on a journey. Abraham at that point didn't know where it was going to be. He just trusted God that God would lead him and guide him. And God did that and he led him a journey of about 900 miles to the land of Canaan. And when he got there, God said to Abraham that he was going to give this land to him and to his descendants. God promised him that he would have descendants as numerous as the stars of heaven. Can you count those stars of heaven? Well, you can't. I'm going to give you descendants as many as that. And it says that Abraham believed God. Well, Abraham was an old man. He started his journey at age 75 and the years continued and continued and he wondered if he was ever going to have a child. His wife Sarah was past the, the age of bearing children. Would this ever happen? Well, miraculously, the promise did happen. Abraham was 100 years old by the time that Sarah finally had this baby. They called him Isaac. It was a miracle baby. He was the child of promise. And Abraham loved his son, Isaac. Well, God had done what he said. God had given Abraham this miracle child. And Abraham probably thought, well, that's the end now. Isaac will have children and they will have children. And eventually there will be descendants as numerous as the stars and they are going to have this land that God has given to me. But then God did an amazing thing. It's chapter 22 of Genesis. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, he said, here am I. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering upon one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Abraham must have been wondering, am I actually hearing God properly? He's just told me this son and through him there's going to be all these descendants as numerous as the stars of heaven. I've got to offer him as a burnt offering. I've got to sacrifice him there in these mountains in the land of Moriah. Well, Abraham was a great man of faith. He was an obedient man and God was testing him and wow, didn't Abraham pass this test. Verse three says, so Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood of the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place far off. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the ass. I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. And they went, both of them, together. 
And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. He said, here am I, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Then Abraham put forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. <clears throat> what an incredible man of faith Abraham was. But you know, when you read Hebrews chapter 11, that story, uh, a chapter about all the great men and women of faith, Abraham is listed there. And one of the things it says about Abraham is that he believed that God was able to raise his son from the dead. That was why he was prepared to do this. That's why he said to his servants who'd come with him, I and Isaac, we will both return to you. Because he believed that what was going to happen was that in obedience to God, he would kill his son, but God would raise him from the dead. Well, of course, God didn't want him to kill his son. It was a test for Abraham. And in verse 11, it says that the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here am I. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him was a ram, caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. A lamb, a ram, caught in the thicket. Abraham was about to sacrifice his own son, Isaac, but at the last second, the Lord stopped him. Don't harm the lad. And he looked and there was this ram caught in the thicket. He took the ram and he killed that in place of his son, Isaac. This is a wonderful picture of what was going to happen 2,000 years later when God sacrificed his son. God told Abraham, take your son, your only son whom you love. And God gave to us his only son, his only begotten son who he loved. He gave to us Jesus. They went up that hill, Moriah, 
Of course, at that point, it's 2,000 years before Jesus had died, but it's the same hill. It's the same place where the city of Jerusalem was built. And it's the same place, the very place where Isaac was almost sacrificed. That is the place where the temple was built. On that same hill, 2,000 years later, that's where Jesus, the Lamb of God, died upon a cross. We have a picture of Isaac going up the hill, carrying on his back the wood that was going to be used as he was sacrificed. It's a picture of Jesus as he walked up the hill to Calvary, bearing his own wooden cross. And the ram that took his place caught in the thickets in a thorn bush. It gives us a picture of Jesus with the crown of thorns that was forced into his head. These are pictures that point towards what Jesus did for us. But what we see in this story is a story of a, a sacrifice that was made for one person. The ram that was killed in the place of Isaac. One animal sacrificed in the place of one person. But a picture of something that was going to happen in the future, there was a far greater sacrifice. If we just turn over into the next book of the Bible, the book of Exodus, and we're now in the days of Moses. The people of Israel now were a numerous nation of people, and they were slaves in Egypt. These people have been suffering there as slaves for many, many years, but God heard their cry as they were afflicted by their taskmasters, and God sent Moses to deliver them. Moses went to the Pharaoh, and Pharaoh, of course, hardened his heart and refused to let them go. The river Nile was turned to blood. There was frogs that came as a plague. There, there was gnats, and there was flies, and the, the cattle died. And one after another, <coughs> the plagues that came upon Egypt. But Pharaoh refused to let the people go until the final plague. The final plague was this, and God said, Israel is my firstborn son. You need to let my firstborn son go, otherwise your firstborn son is going to die. And that was the final plague. The firstborn son in every home would die, including Pharaoh's. But God told Moses, tell the people to do this. What they need to do is they all need to take a lamb, taken either from the sheep or, or the goats, but it must be perfect. A perfect lamb, one year old, in other words, in its prime 
of life. And you need to take that lamb and you need to kill it. And you need to take the blood of the lamb and you need to put it on the doorposts and across the lintel of your homes. And then stay in your houses and eat a meal. Eat a meal of that lamb that has been killed, of unleavened bread, <clears throat> also of bitter herbs to remind you of the bitter years of slavery because the Lord is going to pass over the land and he is going to bring this final plague upon all the Egyptians but with every house where he sees the blood of a perfect lamb that has been put on the doorpost and lintels, the Lord will pass over your houses. The houses of the Egyptians will come under the plague. But when he sees the blood of a perfect lamb, he will pass over your homes. So that was what the people did. They chose a perfect lamb. They killed it. They put their blood on the doorpost and the lintels. They ate their meal in readiness with the shoes on their feet, ready to go. And sure enough, the Lord passed over the land. The firstborn son in all the Egyptian homes died that night. But the people of Israel were spared. Listen to what it says in Exodus chapter 12. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month they shall take every man a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. A lamb for a household. There was a ram caught in the thicket. That ram was sacrificed in the place of one person, Isaac. Here we are now in the days of Moses. There were many lambs that were killed, one for each household, a lamb for a household. That lamb's blood was shed, it had to be a perfect lamb, and its blood was shed, and by the blood of the lamb being shed, the people in that house were saved. Again, we're pointing forward to what the Lord Jesus did for us. He was a perfect lamb, without spot and without blemish. He was in his prime of life, 33 years of age, in his prime of life. And his blood was shed for us. You know, it's really important that we put our faith in Jesus. It's really important that we put our trust in him. Because, you see, just like the blood was on the doorpost and the lintel of their house, we need by faith to apply the blood of Jesus who died on the cross for us to our hearts. If we do that, the Lord will see the blood of his perfect son there, the blood of Christ that cleanses us from all sins. And we will be spared from the plague. We will be saved. It was a lamb 
for a household, but it pointed forward to an even greater sacrifice. So turn over with me now into the next book of the Bible, the book of Leviticus. And we read here about a very important day in the history of the people of Israel and in their worship. It was the Day of Atonement. And God told them that every day they must have this special Day of Atonement. And on that day, they were to take two goats. And one of those goats would be offered as a sacrifice and its blood would be shed. And there would be another goat that was known as the scapegoat. And what they would do was the high priest would lay his hands upon the head of the goat and confess all the sins of the people upon that goat. This was a, a sort of a double sacrifice. One animal that was killed as a sacrifice for sins and another one that he confessed the sins upon that goat and then the goat was sent away out into the wilderness bearing the sins of the people. And this was what it says in Leviticus chapter 16 and verse 20. And when he had made an end of atoning for the holy place and the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall present the live goat. And Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the people of Israel and all their transgressions, all their sins. And he shall put upon them upon the head of the goat and send him away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who is in readiness. The goat shall bear all their iniquities upon him to a solitary land, and he shall let the goat go in the wilderness. We saw a sacrifice uh, for Isaac, which was a sacrifice of one ram for one person. In the days of Moses, it was a lamb that was killed, one for a family, for a household. Here now, we have the scapegoat. We have this animal, there's one goat that is killed and another which is sent away, and it bears the sins of the nation. And Aaron the high priest was told to lay his hands upon this goat on the head of the live goat and confess over him all the sins, all the iniquities of the people of Israel, the sins of a nation. And can you imagine that as the people were all gathered around and Aaron put his hands upon the head of a goat and confessed, God we've sinned against you, God we have broken your laws. There's people who have stolen things. There's people who have committed adultery. There's people who have used the name of the Lord God in vain. There's people who have dishonoured their parents. There's people who have worshipped false gods. 
They, they confessed these sins, all the sins of a nation that were confessed upon this goat. And the goat was sent away. This was done for the first time in the wilderness on the way to the promised land, but this was something that was set up to do every year, that there would be a goat that would take the sins of a nation. A goat for a nation. And he would be sent away and he would take all the sins of the nation, symbolically taken with him. Psalm 103 says this, As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. And this was something, a way of God showing the people, your sins are being removed and they are being removed by a goat that is killed and one that has the sins confessed upon his head. Over into the New Testament, there was a man sent from God, his name was John the Baptist. He baptised people, calling them to repent of their sins and telling them that there was another one coming after him. He was preparing the way for someone that he wasn't even worthy to undo his shoelaces. There were some men from Galilee who'd come and they'd repented of their sins and they'd become followers of John the Baptist. But John the Baptist hadn't come to gather a personal following. He'd come to tell people about the one who was to come. And John the Baptist had baptised the Lord Jesus. And as he was baptised, there was a voice from heaven that said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And the Holy Spirit descended upon him in the form of a dove. And John the Baptist saw it, witnessed it, and realised this is the one. This is the one that has come. The one who is going to take away the sins of the world. He's the one that I have come to prepare the way for. And in John chapter 1 and verse 29, it says this. John was there with some of his disciples. And it says, the next day he saw Jesus coming towards him and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We had the ram caught in the thicket that was sacrificed in the place of Isaac, one person. We had the Passover lamb that was killed, a lamb for a household. We had the goat that was sacrificed and sent, another one sent off as a scapegoat into the wilderness that took upon them the sins of a nation. But they were all pointing forward to this person. The good news is all about Jesus. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Not just an individual, not just a household, not just a nation, but the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He removes them as far as the east is from the west. He takes our sins upon himself and he bears it. Coming back to Isaiah where we 
began. And Isaiah chapter 53, an amazing prophecy. A one that was given by Isaiah hundreds of years before Jesus came, but fulfilled so wonderfully in Jesus. And reading from verse 4, he says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that made us whole, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Just like the sins of the nation of Israel were pronounced upon the scapegoat, the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. You know, Jesus, on many occasions, people tried to catch him out with trick questions. Every single time they regretted it because he always had the answer. But when they brought false charges against him, that didn't even add up, that like, contradicted each other. And Jesus could easily have tied them up in knots, but on that occasion he was silent, like a lamb led to the slaughter. Like a sheep before its shearers is dumb, he opened not his mouth. At any point he could have stopped it. At any point, he could have called on angels of heaven that could have wiped out this Roman army that were going to have him nailed to a cross. He was ridiculed as he hung upon a cross. And people saying, if you truly are the Son of God, come down from the cross and prove it. He could have done it any time. But you see, it was the reason why he'd come. He came to this earth to be the perfect sacrifice for our sins. He came to this earth so that he could die in my place and in your place. So that we would have his blood that we could apply to our hearts and the Lord will pass over that the judgment would be spared from us if we've put our faith in Jesus. He died upon a cross so that he would bear our sins and Isaiah says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that made us whole by his stripes. We are healed. Every stripe of the whip, Jesus was bearing our sins. As the nails were hammered through his hands and through his feet, he was bearing our sins. As he was beaten and he was bruised, he was bearing our sins. The Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. A wound is something which is very open, isn't it? If you cut yourself with a knife and there would be blood coming out, it's an open wound. 
and transgressions are open sins to be seen by all. Jesus also was bruised for our iniquities. A bruise is more inward. Sometimes you bruise yourself and you don't even notice you've got a bruise until a couple of days after the damage was done inside. And there's some sins that we commit that are inside, that are hidden, that are not so seen. But you know whether it's the obvious things, whether it's someone who's a murderer, an adulterer, a thief, and it's plain for everyone to see. Jesus was wounded for our transgressions, but those sins that are done in secret, those things that are said secretly, those thoughts that are said secretly, the things that other people may not see, but God knows that they had to be forgiven as well. The Lord was bruised for our iniquities. Whether it's murder or whether it's anger, whether it's adultery or whether it's a lustful thought, whether it's something that is outside and obvious or whether it's inside. Jesus died upon a cross for my sins and for your sins. He himself bore our sins upon the tree as he died upon that cross. I hope this morning you've been able to see and understand, maybe see afresh, of what Jesus did for you. I remember the day that I first understood that Jesus died on the cross and he died for my sins and that was an amazing revelation. And I asked Jesus to forgive me, to cleanse my sinful heart and to wash that sin away and make me clean. And that day I felt the cleansing that can only come from the blood of Jesus, that washes us and cleanses us from all sin. If you've never yet experienced that, then put your faith in Jesus. Believe in him, the one who died in your place. He died for the sins of the whole world, but included in that, is your sins. The things that you've done, the things that you've said that you shouldn't, the things that even in your heart and in your mind you've thought that were wrong. Jesus loves you so much that knowing that you've done all of those things, he died to take that punishment in your place. He died that we might be forgiven. So if you don't yet know the Lord as your saviour, wherever you are in your own homes, just pray to the Lord and ask him to forgive you. Turn from those sins and say, I want to have them put in the past and ask the Lord to remove them from you as far as the east is from the west. And as you put your faith in the Lord Jesus, he will forgive you and he will cleanse you from every sin. For those of you that have been Christians for many years, let's remember what it is really all about, what is the foundation of our faith, what is of first importance that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried and he was raised again on the third day. And that's what our faith is founded upon. 
It was God's plan from the very beginning. He had the pictures there through the Old Testament and it was all pointing to Jesus. Lord, we thank you for that revelation. Lord, the people who wrote about these things, Isaiah who prophesied, didn't at that time fully understand. But Lord, these things were written for us, that we may understand, that we may understand the good news of Jesus. So help each one of us to just keep putting our faith in him. Help each one of us to keep trusting him. He is the one who cleanses and forgives us of our sins and for any of us that may have committed sins even this week, his blood still cleanses from all sin. And so Lord, we come before you this morning with thankful hearts because you loved us and you gave yourself for us. And so thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift, the perfect sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, God bless you all. I trust that's been an encouragement and a blessing to your hearts this morning. Stay safe and God bless.